Yeah, so I'm not sure how the Democratic Party thinks they're going to win with Mike Bloomberg, who uh, had this just amazing audio clip. And, and of course, you know, Brennan and I are from the Plains. And Emily, you're from Riverlands, Appalachia, the the Riverlands. I'm from the Crownslands, sir. <laughs> right. Where he comes out and says, "I could teach anybody to farm. Uh, it's it, farming's easy. You you put the seed in the ground and you put some water on it, and boom, you've got some corn." And I was thinking about this, like, do you think that's how Mike Bloomberg views every profession? Hundred percent. Like every profession that he's not an expert in, which is all all of them. Right. Yeah. <laughs> no, he sees anybody doing anything. And he just says, uh, that doesn't look that hard. My kids one time described me going to work as tippity-tippity-type, blah, blah, blah. (laughs) And that's pretty much it. That's just what you do. You're just like, blah, 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 emails, blah, 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 blah. Absolutely owned by your own kids. Yeah, that is is what (laughs) those kind of jobs are. Every job in an office is just being a keyboard toucher. I can't do a Bloomberg voice. It's not actually very difficult. To be a sculptor, you just get a big block of stone and you keep chipping away everything that doesn't look like an elephant. Right. When you're done, boom, you've got a sculpture of an elephant. I could teach you to do it. I could teach anyone to do it, even you. No, people aren't up to speed with these Bloomberg impressions. Like, it's just been the past week that there's really been a true need. Well, he just has this kind of, like, nondescript New York accent. I mean, like, a Bernie impression is fun to do. A Trump impression is fun to attempt. Obama is fun to try to impersonate. But Bloomberg just has this sort of very boring, ordinary kind of New York-y, like, rich guy voice. No, it's a little subtle. I think now that Jerry Seinfeld's old, he should play Bloomberg in the in the Bloomberg movie. <laughs> <laughs> right. What's the deal with farming? Yeah. <laughs> No, I mean, that's that's another one, though. Like, uh, Mike Bloomberg making a movie. Like, I, how hard could it be to, to make a movie? You you get the actors up there, you turn the camera on, you know, have them say the lines, blah-de-blah, you stick it in a can and send it off to, to be printed. Boom, parasite. Boom. Well, it's not, it's not that hard to be <laughs> an actor. You know, you learn so you memorize some lines, big deal. Um, you portray the emotion that the scriptwriter had in mind <laughs> right. when they were creating those lines in an emotionally moving and arresting yeah. way, <laughs> you go home. The only job that you can accurately describe that way is Michael Bloomberg because (laughs) (laughs) you're just like, you just sit there, you say stupid shit, you go at the debate, you get owned, you pay people to do dumb tweets about you for publicity, you don't do anything, you make a billion dollars. Anybody could do that. (laughs) Literally anybody could do that. Somebody somebody pointed out uh, on Twitter today that over the course of the debate, Michael Bloomberg made more money in interest than what Bernie Sanders is actually worth. But he still had the time to attack him for having like two homes. Yeah, for for being so wealthy because he knows that's that's (laughs) wealth to us. Being able to buy a home is like an unbelievable (laughs) dream. So he's like, oh, those those absolute rubes (laughs) will get him to be jealous of Bernie Sanders. Podcast from Arlington, Texas. I am Matthew Hodges, joined as ever by my exceptional comrade and co-host in Omaha, Nebraska, Brendan Williams. Hello, Brendan. I am coming to you live from the true Midwest, Bloomberg country, as they call it out here. <laughs> that's that's what they're calling it these days. He's he's moved in. He's set up shop. Well, joining us tonight, special guest, uh, newcomer to the show, we have Emily Bartlett-Hines. You may know her better from Twitter, where she is just really, really good, a really good follow, uh, has a profile picture that sets off every conservative's horrible radar. Oh, oh liberals, too. It's, it's all different <laughs> kinds of people. <laughs> liberals, too. We've got the hot take appreciator. I hate New York Times. Emily, thank you so much for being on Liquid Flannel with us. Hi, thank you. Thank you for having me. And so many hot takes to appreciate. We, we have to talk about the debate. Well, there's no, there's yeah. no shortage of topics about which to have a take. Well, you're extremely good at it and also extremely good at your profile picture does seem to trigger 
a lot of people. Sorry, not to use the fucking like alt righty sort of thing, but your profile picture is you using a selfie stick in an inflatable pool in a in a sort of racy uh, like one piece swimsuit in one of your three homes. <laughs> in one of your three homes, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. No, but like. Yeah, that was taken at a 4th of July daytime party thing at my, at the time, my next door neighbor's house. And it was a pretty normal scenario. Like, I put on a swimsuit to go, like, hang out and have a drink in their inflatable pool. And people try to, like, come up with something about it to be offended by or, like, an own. Like, they think it's a zinger on me that I used a selfie stick and it's like, well, you know, it was a really nice selfie stick. It was a Yamaha. And like, I found it at this place I was working at the time. Like we just found it in the lost. I got mine at the dollar store. That was, yeah, that's, that's deluxe. I'm getting jealous. It was really nice. I eventually lost it in an olive garden. Um, But yeah, like people come up with all these, like, the swimsuit is like BDSM or like some, Oh my God. Perfectly normal, you know, swimsuit I got off Amazon and they're like, upset about that they're upset about the pool one guy tried to say like if your king bernie sanders is elected and we have socialism like you won't be able to have a pool like that anymore yeah green new deal gets rid of pools <laughs> that's the law right yeah the green new deal we're not going to be allowed to use water for anything frivolous but then i guess other people like i don't i don't know i like i really don't know what they think is bad about being in a swimsuit in a pool, but they do get really upset. Yeah, it's it's kind of amazing. I mean, the uh, the conservatives freaking out about the profile picture, I can kind of understand because so much of their politics is like psychosexualized. But you don't mm-hmm, think of the mm-hmm. same thing necessarily when you think of liberals. And when you as a like a leftist, you're a Bernie broad or whatever are talking to these shit libs, you know, like Kamala Harris supporters or whatever, mm. you you start to imagine that the only thing that they might find acceptable is like early 1900s, like bathing costumes. Oh, yeah. Like the stripey the, like the- <laughs> Dick Van Dyke and Chitty Chitty Bang Bang sort of. Yeah, the stripey with like the long short. Um, right, right, right. Yeah, the, like, modesty curtain that you, like, wear on your waist and, like, walk around with (laughs) and you just, like, have, like, kind of a booth around you until you, like, walk into the water. Well, Emily, we're glad that you're here with us, uh, and we are going to be getting more into the liberal brain, I'm afraid, tonight, um, (laughs) as as we usually do on the show. But but I wanted to start us off uh, instead on on kind of a, a side topic. Brendan, you and I on the show have discussed the Boy Scouts of America a great deal, right? Uh Uh-oh. And just this week, we saw a piece of news that the BSA is going to be filing for bankruptcy because of, I believe the number was, I I don't want to get this wrong, but I think it was 24,000 reports of sexual abuse of Scouts. Yeah, it's, it's not great. It's a shambles of an organization, for sure. Do you remember when Trump gave that speech at the Boy Scouts thing? Oh, God, yeah. Thing, and he just like talked about like partying on the sex yacht or whatever? Yeah, yeah, um, sure. That yeah, was yeah, wild. Like 12-year-olds out there. like He was at the National Jamboree, <laughs> was, wasn't he? It was, yeah, it was, a, it was an awkward look. But yeah, I, I mean, why do they even have money? What do they do? With the money. I don't even understand why the money exists. Well, I think uh, one of the main things they do is they pay Jim Davis for, uh, like, the marketing materials for using Garfield as uh, a <laughs> mascot. For Shit, I do remember what? that. Yeah. Boy Scouts. <laughs> yeah. He would, like, be in, like, like shitty handouts or whatever, or, like, in the shitty mag- Boy's Life magazine or whatever that they would publish. You know, just Garfield yeah. going to Cub Scout meetings because... That's who you think of when you think of the rugged outdoors is is Garfield. Right. Garfield would fit in and is definitely a good fit for the values of that organization. <laughs> right. You know, hard <laughs> Such work. Such as diligence uh, and self-sufficiency. Going the extra mile. Yeah. Teamwork <laughs> and like working with all sorts of people cooperatively right. is a thing Garfield is known for. Obviously a disturbing and deeply disappointing item of news to see, you know, especially when the national organization has taken, to my mind, a, a number of really good steps toward inclusivity and addressing 
sort of uh, like cultural, structural problems in the organization. And now this thing comes out that like, oh, they simply have not been doing their due diligence on Boy Scouts have the same problem as the Catholic Church right now. And that's that is not that is not a place you want to find yourself in as an organization. No. Well, it sounds like they had the same kind of deal of like a culture of secrecy and a practice of letting people stay on as scout leaders or staff or volunteers, even after finding out disturbing information about them or finding out that they're doing these things. But I don't know, because with the Catholic Church, they like didn't do anything at all about their child abuse problem until they started getting sued. Um, sure. Um, I don't know if it's any different with the Boy Scouts and if this was like, like steps were kind of taken. Not only is it not different, I don't even know that it's different people because most of these mm. Boy Scout organizations oh. are directly affiliated with churches. That's like oh. the number one type of Boy Scout organization is like, oh, this is we meet at the church and like we are all affiliated with this Catholic church or the Mormon church is also huge in, in the. Yeah, no, we, we need to be we need to be very clear about that, though, Brandon, because uh, our troop growing up, we met at the Methodist church, but I don't think that our troop was in any way directly affiliated with the Methodist church. That was. Just, oh, that's true. That was just the gymnasium that we were able to use for our for weekly meetings or whatever. And there are definitely some out there. The troop that I was in before that yeah. was at the Catholic yeah. Church, and we left because right. it's it sucked. And there was a bunch of creepy-ass old dudes there who were, like, parts of, like, the Knights of Columbus and, like, you know, other weird Freemason shit who would be like, do you even have any kids in Boy Scouts or whatever? And they're like, no, no, not at all, not at all. <laughs> right. I'm just, like, hanging out here for some reason. <laughs> oh, God. So uh, I guess it's not surprising but uh it is it is disappointing i did like uh the girl scouts put out a statement too that was like hello we'd just like to remind everyone we are not affiliated in any way with the boy scouts <laughs> totally separate thing right just yeah. trying to sell cookies here folks tons yeah. of money not weren't there when all this shit yeah. happened got so much yeah. cookie money i mean emily were you were you affiliated with scouting in in any capacity like growing up i was like for a very brief period of time i was i guess for girls they got brownies and then the daisies and then the girl scouts um i was uh, i was a brownie and a daisy i think for a short period of time but did not make it to girl scouts my mom could not stand the other daisy moms there was (laughs) some sort of personality conflict and I guess I, I obviously don't remember this very well, but I guess I did not have any huge objection to just stopping a Daisy Scout. So that was the yeah. end of it. It's going to be a bit of a coup for the Girl Scouts, right? Because the Girl Scouts have recently announced that they are willing to have boys join their troops. Um, the Boy Scouts countered with, uh, like, no girls can join our troops too, but it's still going to be gender segregated in a weird way hmm. that doesn't seem practicable if you've ever been involved in scouting at all. Oh. So I so I guess what we're seeing is these big national organizations that got inflated, you know, one of the biggest like religious organization involvements in, in any of these activities was the Mormon Church in Boy Scouts and that's why the Boy Scouts were so intransigent for such a long time on allowing gay scouts or gay scout leaders. And and eventually the national org was like, well, yeah, like 60% of our money comes from like LDS, but right. <laughs> like we can't justify it anymore. Yeah, it's funny. And like when they were doing that and when they were saying like lax the rules about like, you know, our, our extremely strict moral code, all these Mormon organizations were like, I don't know if we're going to do Boy Scouts anymore, but I guess that decision has been made for them although it's not like boy scouts is going to cease to exist some right. like accountants right. will just like shuffle some numbers around on a pa- piece of paper and be like here you go guys yeah everybody's off the hook for the sex crimes yeah that's what everyone's been saying is the reason they're going bankrupt is because they're taking all of their available cash and putting it into michael bloomberg's cayman island account well no it's like a restitution yeah. fund for right. like justice for the scouts who were abused and that's why they have to declare bankruptcy i mean it's it's not at all dissimilar from when uh, an oil company shell holding 
get sued because of an oil spill and they put whatever cash they have on hand yeah. into a fund and then declare bankruptcy. You know. Right. And everybody like in the oil spill neighborhood gets like a check for like two dollars and thirteen cents eight years later. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So there's so there's no real justice for the victims of this thing. Not to say that you could necessarily like buy somebody's trauma. Like no amount of money is gonna make up for but that. But they don't necessarily get the settlement or the damages in a lawsuit that they would get if they were just to like go to court. And, like, sue for whatever yeah, amount, like, not. a jury would think acceptable because instead with these bankruptcies, it's, like, structured in such a way that it's, like, well, everyone who makes a claim gets something, but it's set up in such a way that, like, well, we have to let the scouts keep right. operating and not just to clear them out all at once. Yeah, just as a, as a former scout, the whole thing has been, I mean, it, I'm just incredibly dismayed by the whole thing and... God, guys, get your fucking shit together. Like, live by the fucking Boy Scout code, right? <laughs> Here's my proposal. Like, let's do our own scouts with blackjack, but then not sex crimes. Oh, right, yeah. <laughs> Socialist scouts. Let's make it happen. I think we actually played a great deal of blackjack at scout camp. We were just playing it for, like, candy. Like, some of the older scouts had even brought, you know, those, like, clear plastic green visors. <laughs> So they looked like actual like casino dealers. You God, know? Is that is that a thing? Did what 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 was what was the purpose of the green visor? God, why did that even exist? Yeah, that I doesn't don't know. make any sense. Let's research that. We'll get to the bottom of this mystery. <laughs> we'll, we'll get to the bottom of that. Let's take a little break there. Be prepared. That's the Boy Scouts marching song. Be prepared. As through life you march along, be prepared to hold your liquor pretty well. Don't write naughty words on walls if you can't spell. Be prepared to hide that pack of cigarettes. Don't make book if you cannot cover bets. Keep those reefers hidden where you're sure that they will not be found. And be careful not to smoke them when the scoutmaster's around. For he only will insist that they be shared. Be prepared. Another milestone. That's the Boy Scout solemn Trump has just appointed the first gay cabinet member. Oh. Richard Grinnell, the current ambassador of Germany, is uh, also going to now be serving as the acting chief of intelligence because the last guy, like, let too many hearings about uh, election security <laughs> happen. Oh, no. Uh, this guy's qualifications are uh, he loves Trump. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's all we know about him. That's pr that's pretty he much was, it. He was the ambassador to Germany, and he loves Trump. That's, yeah, uh, that's which you enough. would think like the ambassador to Germany is a pretty important job, but he's like he's just going to do this whole director of national intelligence on the side while also remaining the ambassador to Ger to Germany. Oh, he didn't quit the old job. <laughs> no, why would why would both. you? Wow, two salaries, baby! <laughs> I'm sure uh, I'm sure Angela Merkel is crazy about that. That the, <laughs> the ambassador to Germany is now also the intelligence director. Rest, rest hey, assured. Hey, you know what? Anything that pisses off Angela Merkel is okay by me. <laughs> yeah. Rest assured he doesn't know who that is. So don't don't worry about it. Right. Just like uh, Amy Klobuchar not knowing who the president of, of Mexico is. Oh, that was so <laughs> embarrassing. <laughs> oh, oh, and, and like the, it, it wasn't like it was it was the interviewer doing like a gotcha moment. Or anything. I mean, it should not have been a gotcha moment. He was just like, yeah, who is the president of Mexico? Do you even know his name? She was like, I know that he's the president of Mexico. He's like, no, no, no. <laughs> do you know his name? She's like, no, no, I don't. Yeah, that was that was pretty crazy. And like, to be fair, like, I don't even really care that much. But like, if you're in the race as like, I'm the experienced political operative who's, you know, well qualified because I have so much government experience right. and you literally well, she, can't even name the president yeah. of Mexico. I mean, it she's been in the that. arena. She informed us approximately 10 times last night that she's been in the arena. Well, maybe you should have stepped out of the arena right, for a moment. Right. In, in fairness, a Wikipedia in, page. In she thinks the UN is the arena of from Mad Max Thunderdome. <laughs> uh. In fairness to, to Amy, uh, his name is fairly complicated. Right. I, I 
I can get mm. three quarters of it because it's A M L O uh, Manuel Lopez Orbador, but I can never remember the first part. Yeah. I believe the president of Mexico is uh, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> I think I've heard that somewhere. Oh, that would have been so much better. <laughs> well, you don't have to know all the names. I feel like it's like Jeopardy. And if someone tries to like get you by being like, what's the guy's name? You can just be like Obrador and it counts. Like, yeah, yeah, exactly. To go back and be like, right. well, do you, yeah, but do you know it's <laughs> yeah. his first name? That's exactly right. Yeah. It, all she needed to know was uh, like Lopez Obrador or something like that you know yeah who is uh, obrador <laughs> well i think the uh unfortunately the big story that we've got to cover as a bunch of um extremely online leftists is the the mercurial rise of one michael bloomberg former mayor of new york city um he has been coming out really hard uh especially against bernie sanders uh we've seen a number of uh, a number of attacks like uh in the debates recently where he said and like oh isn't it amazing the the only you know the, the only well-known socialist in the country also happens to be a billionaire boom or a millionaire boom gotcha uh his twitter account has been tweeting about you know bernie's three houses and so you've seen Again, at this rash of articles where it's Bernie standing in front of, um, I think it's like one of the Obama's houses or something. <laughs> Cause, oh, really? Because when you see the when you see the actual houses that Bernie Sanders lives in, it's all fairly nondescript, sort of middle class sort of stuff. So yeah. So if you're going to write an article about Bernie Sanders owning three houses, obviously you have to put him in front of. You know, a thing that's got a bunch of uh, like Corinthian columns on the front, you know, big white, uh, you know, like ivory sort of sort of tower sort of stuff. Um, and it's just been amazing to me that a guy who whose net worth is something like I think the number everybody's been tossing around today is like 30,000 times yeah. what. Bernie Sanders' net worth is, um, is trying this sort of populist rhetoric. Because he thinks that it'll work on us rubes. Like, he thinks we're just so beaten down. We'll be like, oh my god, Bernie Sanders could afford a house and then another house. It's the very height Right. No, I think I think he genuinely believes that the way that we all make our money is we you dig a hole and you put a seed in and you put dirt on top and you water it and boom, right. you got corn. Yeah. Yeah, I know. He obviously thought that he would like sweep into the race and everyone would be like, finally, uh, finally, you know, someone out here talking some sense. Uh, I, I just it's mind boggling to me the arrogance that he just thinks that he will be good at this with absolutely no evidence, only negative evidence. Well, what I find really chilling about it, though, is that the national party seems to think the same thing right i mean you've got you've got tom perez out there um more or less rat fucking every single primary um you've got all of these competing sort of centrist people and i think what's happening among the centrists uh, and especially among the uh, like the consultant class and the like the high level DNC class is they're looking at Michael Bloomberg being sort of the spoiler going into the into the national convention. If Bernie Sanders isn't able to win a majority of delegates, then he'll go in with a strong plurality. But you see this argument where like, look at look at all of the support, you know, like Tom Watson and all of these other fucking near Tannen. It's like, look, look at how much more support, you know, like moderate centrism has among oh, the, the Democratic electorate. You know, like if, if we could just if we could shove Michael Bloomberg, Pete Buttigieg, Elizabeth Warren into a and Amy Klobuchar into a trench coat together. And have right. them all run is like yeah. one like all all get like, the machine from the fly. Yeah, okay. like they're, they're yeah. gonna run as like yes. a totem pole candidate, you know. 
then, then they get they they get seventy percent across the board. Yeah, that argument fucking rocks because like, okay, set like being a moderate is an abstract concept. It's not a guy or a gal you can vote for. And like, there also seems to be this like illusion people are convincing themselves of that like because the non-Bernie candidates are more moderate than Bernie, therefore. If we were to just pick one, then, like, that would be fine with all of the supporters of all of those, like, quote-unquote, moderate candidates. And it's like, well, first of all, like, okay, Amy and Pete hate each other, so that's not, you know, if you go with Amy, the Pete people will be pissed off, and vice versa. Bloomberg isn't really a moderate. He's, like, far right by the standards of anyone. Bloomberg's a fucking Republican! He's a Democrat. Bloomberg's a fucking Republican. He's not moderate by, like, by Democratic Party standards. Um, Pete Buttigieg, like, they're lumping him in as a moderate because it benefits them. He himself is identifying himself as a progressive. He has said, well, you know, if I were elected, I would be the most progressive nominee in history. So I don't think... You know, I think we must take Pete at his word. I don't think Pete is allowed to be... Pete cannot join this pool of, like, moderates who, like, just get, like, are in contention to just get picked as the moderate. But, you know, and then Biden... You know, if you pick any one of these moderates to represent this abstract concept of moderation, you're going to piss off the Bernie people and piss off all the other supporters of quote-unquote moderates. Like, you pick Biden... Yeah. What's truly disgusting about this entire like procedural nonsense they're trying to pull is that among I, I'm not going to say all of them, but most of these candidates, their supporters second choice is Bernie Sanders. Right. So if right. you did go to a contested uh, convention and we just did it by like normal caucus rules. Eventually, mm-hmm. all of that support mm-hmm. as, as you eliminated some some candidates most of that support would end up going to Bernie Sanders, but this is the DNC. We can't do anything right. in a straightforward, you know, this is what <laughs> the people want sort of way. Then you introduce super delegates and the super delegates. You've got fucking Howard Dean out there. You've got Harry Reid, the the former uh, 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 congressional. What am I? What am I trying to say? Um the this the congressional the senate majority leader the former senate majority leader out there going like well you know super delegates aren't really tied to the popular vote we'll just we'll just do whatever we think is is best for the party well and they literally asked on the debate they were like who thinks that they should do you know if nobody gets above what is it like 51% of the delegates or whatever like you know what do you think should happen and they all just said like oh well you know we should let the process work itself out and then bernie just said like no <laughs> right. whoever gets the most votes should fucking win like yeah what are in you fact saying? in fact i've got that i've got that clip right now let's play that right now because it's it's so revealing of what all of these people the believe delegates at the end of this primary season be the nominee even if they are short of a majority senator sanders i'm gonna let you go last here because i know your view on this <laughs> so instead i will start with you mayor bloomberg Whatever the rules of the Democratic Party are, they should be followed. And if they have a process, which I believe okay. they do, I'm trying to so do that everybody else, pass. everybody can do. Can, so you want the convention to work its will? Yes. Senator Warren. But a convention working its will means that people have the delegates that are pledged to them, and they keep those delegates until so the they come person? to the convention. No. All okay. of the people. All righty. Vice President Biden? By the rule. Yes or no? Leading person with the delegates, should they be the nominee or not? No, let the process work its way out. Mayor Buttigieg? Not necessarily. Not to lose Senator Klobuchar? Let the process work. Senator Sanders? Well, the process includes 500 superdelegates on the second ballot. So I think that the will of the people should okay. down. Yes. Right. Thank you, guys. And so, yeah, it, it, it's unbelievable that they would think, like, well, one person has the most support, but they don't have right. enough for me to like it. Uh, so instead, like, let's just give it to, I don't know, Amy Klobuchar. What? Why not? You yeah, know? sure. Right. Like the fucking problem with this is if you don't just go with the person who has the most votes, any other person you select is going to be an arbitrary pick. Um, 
of course, all the Bernie people are going to be furious. And then the other candidates, supporters, whose guy or gal did not get picked are also going to be like, well, if you're going to just pick someone, you should have picked my person. They're the best. They're the most electable. <laughs> right. Right. Yeah. And Emily, one of the things that I find most remarkable about this entire situation is you have people trying to play both sides of that argument, right? Well, where mm. they will say, you know, Bernie Sanders is going to go into the convention with a plurality of delegates, but not a majority. And so for him to argue that he should just get the nomination because he has the plurality of delegates, that's anti-democratic. Therefore, (laughs) therefore, what we should do is have the party pick somebody who going in objectively has fewer fucking delegates. And it's like, you know what, I guess if people are so upset at the concept of, like, someone with a plurality winning, I guess we should have thought of that before we set up a process that allows, like, (laughs) ten people to be in the election, because what did you think was going to happen? Obviously, with this many people running, it will be very hard to get above 50. So, I don't know. I mean, if y'all are just saying we have to elect someone who gets above 50, can we just, like, make a rule that everyone except the top two has to drop out because you know that way whoever wins will get about 50 percent. will that make them happy right it is crazy because the the entire reason that this that this system was set up for the way it was was to do exactly the type of shady ass backroom deals that they that people hate now right is to say well we do some votes but look the votes don't really mean (laughs) anything the votes are just like to give you an idea of like who do you think uh you know is worth all of the you know party establishment getting in a room together and being like horse trading and being like you do this i'll do that blah 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 oh it's this compromise guy or whatever yeah Um, uh, because the system's been set up since uh i want to say like the 1950s or 60s or something it just has never really come into play up until the past two president like democratic presidential elections right where you actually have an ideological split within the party where yeah. you've got a bunch of people who are much more in favor of uh, like a, like a populist progressive platform and some people who are more like a, like go along to get along status quo, sort of Obama era, uh, like liberalism. Right. And it's kind of funny because the process that they want is the process that was more like 2016 where it's like there's one candidate and everyone just says like oh yeah this is the candidate and oh i guess some other guy's running but it doesn't really matter because he's never gonna win anyway Uh, and the process that they don't want is a process where people actually have to like engage on like what they're supporting and not just say like oh yeah that's joe biden i've yeah. heard of that guy yeah yeah i don't hate him uh maybe he's the guy the guy for the job or whatever and that's right. just not gonna fucking cut it anymore yeah um so it well, is so frustrating to just see that even though it's clear that bernie has the most amount of support the most you know depth of support the financial support like I'm all sure that shit the most like the just not enough ground game. The popular yeah. vote the multiracial Absolutely. nature of his support Well, you know, we've been assured over and over again by, you know, I don't know, Democratic insiders, blue check people, I don't know who else, that it's okay that we have these superdelegates because it has never actually happened in history that the superdelegates were used to override the popular vote. So they tell us, like, you know, don't worry about that because we have them, but they'll never actually override your vote so number one why do we have them but number two the establishment never thought that they would find themselves in the situation that we see before us today so maybe the existence of these like maybe now is the moment that they do it because i mean yeah, a situation I, like this is what they've been saving them for yeah like it's like a break they, glass in right. case of bernie yeah, sanders yeah, break the glass and say okay now we override the popular vote. look I, I agree with you emily but not on uh that they were hoping this wouldn't happen i right. i think that they were hoping it wouldn't happen in the sense that they were hoping that the electorate would always fall in line behind mm-hmm. what the Democratic Party establishment wanted, right? Yeah. They they built in this backstop to make sure that if the electorate 
did not go their way, they get their way anyway. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it's. I mean, it it is. I I think I think it's exactly right, Brendan. Like break glass in case yep. of Bernie Sanders, which may actually be the fucking uh, title of this this show. I'm gonna write that. <laughs> I like. Down right but they now. have to know. They know that if they do, you know, break that glass and pull the emergency stop lever. That that's death. That's that's suicide for their party. I don't think. I don't think they know if they will do they it. Have I don't to think know. they know if they have the balls to do it. And like, I think some people in that party might be legitimately terrified if they realize this means the death of the Democratic Party. Uh, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, no, I'm glad it came around to this because this was a thing that I was kind of musing on before we started recording tonight. Was I think some of them. I think some of them do know that. And I think mm-hmm. for for a, a subset of the Democratic Party leadership, that's the preferable outcome. Right? Like they right. would rather, you know, they would rather we, crush Bernie Sanders than crush Trump. We we have talked oh, yeah. about this before that the Ugh. the the Democratic Party establishment, they're jobbers for the Republicans, right? Like they yeah. get paid the big bucks to lose consistently. Right. And so for them to be in this position right now, I think they're more than willing to break that glass because they knew that they built this backstop in. They would rather lose to Trump than they would win an election with somebody who's going to cost them the like the big money, the pharmaceutical Mm. Wall Street uh, fucking uh, what like military industrial complex, like big donors that they've had. They would rather lose to Trump than lose those donors. Yeah, well, Democrats like to lose. They like to just be losing, and that gives them the chance to like send out fundraising emails all the time sure. about how Trump is such a threat, and so you have to send money to the Democrats. And I really don't think they give a f- if they like each individual in that organization if they get to keep their job. I don't think they care if they lose. Like, it's only maybe the Well, and it seems to be completely impossible for anybody to lose a job within that establishment, right? I think maybe one guy lost his job over the Iowa debacle. <laughs> right. I don't that is, I don't think so. I didn't hear about it. No, I, I think there was the, one guy. Yeah, the head oh, oh, of the Iowa up. Democratic Party did resign. But, like, fucking Robbie Mook is still out there. Right. You know, he's, he's still raking in, you know, six, like, high six figures to be you know, some sort of consultant for the Democratic Party and help to run. I mean, he was he actually was partially behind the app that fucked up the Iowa caucuses. Yeah. Did you know I, we're recording this on Thursday, the Nevada caucuses on Saturday. What are the chances that like on Sunday we'll all be talking about how like Bloomberg paid for the app that showed that Bloomberg won Nevada. <laughs> right? oh, yeah, totally. <laughs> Bold predictions. Is it so Bloomberg is in the the Nevada race? I thought he was You know what? I don't even it's a caucus, right? So like isn't isn't the race just whoever the fuck shows up and just says <laughs> anybody? Yeah, I, so. I don't know. I don't know how it works. It's not like yeah. a b- printed ballot that they have in advance or whatever. It's a caucus. So no, you just wild. get people to show up. I mean, yeah, I mean is, if you can write him in, you can like whatever they do at the caucus, you can like You sit in a high school gym and you in. raise your hand. <laughs> yeah, you raise your hand him in instead of writing him in. I mean, but this is part of the ongoing problem with our show, right? Is like we re- we tend to record on Thursdays. Usually, the show comes out on Monday. Like that that worked fine when it was the Iowa caucuses on Monday, and we like rushed the episode out to get it out on Sunday so that we could get our commentary in. But like all of this might be completely out of date by the time you know we know what happened in Nevada. Well, hopefully, Bernie just crushes it like uh, like he should, and then uh, yeah. just wins every state on Super Tuesday, and then you know we could talk about how it's actually like very impressive that Elizabeth Warren got third. <laughs> right. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, you did see that there was that headline today that was like, you know, like Bernie Sanders is is uh like far and away like the most popular candidate in Nevada 
here's how this is bad for his campaign. <laughs> like, what the fuck? Yeah. Bernie it's Sanders thing- has plummeted to first place plummeted in Nevada. To first Embarrassing. Place. <laughs> yeah. It's that thing for like the day before the debate. You're like, oh, I'm not feeling well. I'm, I might do really terrible. Just set, ex- everybody set your expectations <laughs> right. as low as possible. <laughs> All right, everybody. I think that's uh, I think that's uh, enough of our uh, primary coverage. So we're going to take a little break and go into a uh, a high note portion, like we always take you out on uh, for the show. But we do have a special treat for you this week. Um, I put out a little call on Twitter and said that Liquid Flannel loves to boost small musicians, people who would like to get their their music out there. Um, you know, especially if they're from our, you know, kind of like regional area, the, the Great Plains, the Midwest or whatever. Um, so we've got a, we've got a treat for you tonight. Um, uh, we're going to play a track for you from, a, an artist or a band. He, they, they were not super clear, uh, whether it's just an artist or a band, uh, out of Denver, Colorado. So I'm going to play for you now. Uh, this is Scholler with their single... Tough break, kid.
yeah, I got sucked into uh, Charmed. Mom's watching Charmed in the other room. And uh, it's actually just sort of depressing that a bunch of the, like, the WB, like, late 90s, early 2000s actresses who were on shows about fighting evil turned into these just, like, shitty liberals or, in the case of Sarah Michelle Gellar, uh, kind of like a dumb... Um, like selling candles on Facebook, like conservative <laughs> mom. They remade Party of Five, but uh, I believe in the original Party of Five, their parents just like died in a car accident yeah, or something right. like that. Um, in the new Party of Five, they got deported. Oh gosh! Wow. I mean, that's that's a little bit more woke than the original. I'm, oh yeah, bringing yeah. attention to the issues. Yeah. these people face yeah that's cool yeah but you got like a like Alyssa milano out there like just constantly par- you know i'm sure Alyssa milano is 100 percent down for mike bloomberg at this point you know because because the point obviously is to get bad orange man out of the office right it doesn't the, have anything the, to do with the cheeto in chief himself we gotta right, get right, him right. out um I have not seen this show. I've been watching Forensic Files. Um, I saw Forensic Files the other day. This guy tried to kill his wife by putting mice in the console of his wife's car. And then he called her while she was on his way to work. She was on her way to work um, and said, hey, can you check and see if I left my medication in the console? And all all the mice came running out and she was definitely (laughs) afraid of mice. So she was veering all over the road and they had a reenactment of it on this episode of Forensic Files. And she survived, but apparently this guy, like, thought that this would be a successful wife murder plan, and then I think eventually he did murder the wife using a kind of more normal technique. Yeah, sure. Guess what the guy's name was? Pete Buttigieg. Michael Ratley. (laughs) (laughs) That is, that is like a Mike Bloomberg Pete Buttigieg combo. That's pretty good. That's pretty good. That's funny. Well, that ties into my high note because my high note was that um, earlier this week, uh, it was it was revealed uh, in a in a scandalous uh, piece of news that AOC has the audacity to be a guest judge on Drag Race. What? Uh, and she posted they posted a clip like a preview trailer of the new season, and they had a short clip of AOC. Uh, and I believe she said, "I pledge allegiance to oh, the drag." Oh, right. So that for some reason, people on the, the Fox News comment board didn't like it. <laughs> yeah, that that explains all of the like Charlie Kirk tweets about like, "Oh, she'll pledge allegiance to the drag," but what about pledging allegiance to the flag? The flag. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, uh, so yeah, I was like, man, you know what? Like, I should watch Drag Race. So instead of watching the debate. <laughs> I started watching old Drag Race, it's a, it's and a it's great. Show than the debate, it, it's a fun time. Um, well, they, oh, yeah. It's oh bad, yeah, it's too bad that RuPaul kind of sucks. RuPaul a, himself is pretty neoliberal, and he's had Nancy Pelosi, I think, on there. So if he gets AOC on instead, I think that's a good influence. Right. Well, yeah. it, and it's definitely <laughs> weird. Like I tried to start watching like season one, which was filmed in like two thousand and nine, and you know it was a different time. It was a, it was a different time in our lives, two thousand and nine. Um, were you able <laughs> yeah. to? Because you know, I watched season one Drag Race when it came out, and I had heard that it was no longer available to watch anywhere. Were you able to do that? I think it's on Hulu, unless oh, they okay. like switch the order and they're calling it season one, and it's not actually season one. Okay. But yeah, I mean, it it looks like it's like shot on like a flip phone. Oh yeah, um, yeah, yeah. It's, yeah. it's the amount really of money. I think they won like twenty thousand dollars. Like the amount of money is like a tenth of what the winners get now. Yeah, sure. Yeah, I, I think it's season one. I'm not even really sure if they won money. I think they were just like, you get a lot of makeup, and they were like, that sounds like a pretty good deal. Actually. Oh yeah, and it was like NYX cosmetics. <laughs> like it was a, like the cheapest drugstore brand, but they get a lifetime supply of it. Hey, look, that's that's a major expense for drag. Oh, I agree. Games, though, <laughs> yeah, that's a that's a get. I, there must be some sort of monetary cap. I'm sure they have some sort of like whole uh, rigmarole of uh, terms and conditions or whatever. Uh, <laughs> right. Because a lifetime supply could could be a lot. Um, yeah. But yeah, I thought it was fun. It was fun to watch it. I almost kind of wanted to watch it in split screen just to see like 
which reality show had the better cat fights. Um, but I think it's Drag Race. You know, Michael Bloomberg, he just doesn't bring the drama. Season four had insane cat fights. If you want to see cat fights, watch that one. Yeah, somebody somebody needs to make a, a YouTube channel that's just the cat fights from Drag Race. There are a lot right? of, like, super cuts that are just, like, the... Um, you know, the craziest wig snatches and like the, the, the sickest <laughs> yeah. burns. They don't call them sick burns. They call them something gayer. But like, if you want to watch like the sickest burns from Drag Race. Yeah. I, sh- I should have known that this was not an original idea. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I've- it's out there. <laughs> Well, just they should have just waited to cancel AOC, you know, just for b- being in a commercial when in the actual show, she's going to be like drop kicking someone, um, you know, like wearing a leopard thong. Mm-hmm. Uh, so uh, they should have just bided their time and they would have <laughs> had they would have had a better case. But I'm sorry. All I heard there was uh, AOC and a leopard thong. <laughs> oh, no, we've got we've got too far. Don't tell Ben back right. about this concept. <laughs> right. <laughs> All right, I'll, I'll go next. I have I have two quick high notes. Um, the first one non-substantive. The other one uh, a little bit more substantive. So I, I saw this tweet today uh, that uh, McDonald's is going to be selling a limited edition six pack of candles that smell like. What, what do you guys think uh, McDonald's candles should smell like? Chicken McNuggets, French fries. Uh-huh. Yeah, French fries. That would make sense. Yeah, yeah. No, 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 no. These are the uh, the candles that smell like the ingredients for a quarter pounder. Um, so they've got the ketchup candle, uh, the the pickle candle, pickle candle, uh, the cheese candle, the beef candle, and uh, my personal favorite is the onion candle because that's because that's a thing that everybody wants is just to smell your house to smell like onion when you're not cooking yeah no that's, <laughs> right. it's good it's without it's without the effort you know people be like oh you bake a lot you're like nah mcdonald's candles man you making you making tomato sauce sauteing something there <laughs> right yeah no, it's a candle so, from McDonald's. Well, and then you you light them all at once, and then you just you you smell like a McDonald's. Is that the idea? Ugh, great. I I think that's right. Yeah. This reminds me yeah, of the so, Jones sodas that they would put out for Thanksgiving, where they're like, this, "Oh God, those were horrible." This Jones did soda it, tastes like turkey and gravy. It tastes like fucking Brussels sprouts. Did <laughs> you ever try the Brussels sprouts Jones soda? Oh, we used to. We I worked what? at Target, and Target had like an exclusive deal on the gross sodas, and we would always drink them, and Awful. they were just bad they were just oh, so just, bad oh man i mean they were they were spot on in terms of flavor but not a thing that you would want to you oh, know actually drink so they tasted like okay they tasted like brussels sprouts but sweet like a soda ah! no no it just tasted like brussels sprouts. oh okay it's like carbonated it like, brussels sprouts. so like a, it's like a gross. seltzer like a brussels sprout seltzer okay yeah i don't like mm-hmm. that it's, it's bad yeah no nobody liked it it was <laughs> it was absolutely a thing that they did as a you know, kind yeah. of a novelty. Yeah, and they, they uh, anyway. were not intended to be liked. Anyway, so so that that's that's one of my high notes just from like the novelty perspective. It's it's kind of a funny thing that they're doing. I, I doubt that they're gonna sell a whole lot of like ketchup flavored candles. Uh my actual high note though, uh, is uh, we've talked about it on the show before about the uh the nineteen twenty one um Tulsa uh, like the race riots that happened there. Uh, Not a hideout. Where, where are you going? Where are you going with this? <laughs> what? 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 I, okay. All right. So, for people who are unfamiliar unfamiliar with this history, in the early 1920s, there was a whole neighborhood of Tulsa, Oklahoma. This is this is very much in our our regional area, um, where a bunch of black people had finally built up some businesses. They were building some generational wealth. And there was a race riot in 1921 where basically a bunch of white people descended on what was called at the time the Black Wall Street and burned all the businesses to the ground, killed, I don't know, it's like 100 people. Yeah, hun- and hundreds injured, of like, people. Hundreds of people injured many many more and this is this is a piece of our history that 
has been lost because you know for the usual reasons um the the the, the racism reasons or the capitalism reasons because it's a bummer man come on because it, because it's a big bummer and it makes like rich white people look bad right so my high note is that the Oklahoma uh like public educational system is going to make a unit about telling the history of the Tulsa race riots. And now going forward, kids who are, you know, coming up in public education will have a bit more knowledge about what happened in Tulsa and hopefully it, you know, instills in them the same outrage that anybody rightfully feels about what happened in Tulsa in 1921. So it's, I hear what you're saying, Brandon. It's it's not it's not like a it's not a positive story the the Tulsa thing, but people learning about that, them making it an official policy that everybody will be learning about this. That's a high note for me. Yeah, it's all thanks to Watchmen. Yeah, and and I haven't I haven't seen Watchmen. That's that's how it came about. So you've watched Watchmen. Yeah, it's like the opening scene of Watchmen is the is the Tulsa race riots, um, and that was, I believe, a lot of people's probably introduction to that concept to be like, "Oh, this right. is crazy!" And I go, "What? This really happened? This is just some comic book movie nonsense." Um, yeah, yeah, it is kind of sad that it takes uh, uh, like an HBO uh, superhero te- television show to get people to care about uh, the sordid past of U.S. history, but um, I whatever works. Yeah, no, I I agree that it's sad that we needed to have like a like a mass market um <laughs> sort of sort of property like that promoting this this idea, but the more people who know about it, that's that's better, right? That's going to that's going to instill a little bit more awareness of exactly what what we're trying to fight against. Well, yeah. No, I think that is cool. I think um we used to do uh, like Nebraska history in – I think you do it in like fourth grade or something like that. And um, I don't think we really learned much of anything um, because they didn't talk about any of the actual substantive history. They were just like, oh, yeah, right. there was uh, – you know, there was farmers. You dig a hole in the ground. You put a seed in. Uh, the, you're done. Um, <laughs> right. there, there, there was a, Nothing there bad was happened. A guy, it was all fine, children. There was a guy who uh, was brought up in Omaha and went on to be part of the civil rights struggle. No need to talk about like anything else. No, Martin Luther he King, did. he was from somewhere else. You're getting confused. There, there's only right. one black person who was cool. They have a whole month about it. We're making a Malcolm X joke in case anybody doesn't know. That's a yeah. <laughs> that's that's what was happening just then. Never heard. All right. Never heard. Well, of yeah. So that's a that's that's two high notes down. What do you got for us, Emily? All right, guys. So um, I wanted to tell you guys about an incident that happened while we were knocking doors for Bernie in South Carolina. Um, oh, nice. Yeah, because I know you know people people love to hear about canvassing. Um, we a car full. Of Did a- you travel up? Yeah, we traveled. It was actually down. It's further south than us. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah sure. um, south South Carolina, south. Yeah, South Carolina. Okay. Yeah, yeah, South Carolina is like the real deep south, I guess, which we are not quite here in Memphis. Um, but yeah, a car full of us drove like eight hours to get to Aiken, South Carolina. Um, and they sent us out to go knock doors um, at this um, like a rural, primarily black um, neighborhood that had not been canvassed by us or any other campaign before. Um, and we went out there, you know, we all knocked on these people's doors. We had some, um, very good conversations, but, uh, a lot um, of Biden supporters. I hear it's just Biden country, deep, you know, deep guess, Biden yeah, country out there. You hear it's deep Biden country. Well, like of the people that I talked to were like, I think some of them may have been Biden supporters, but they were like kind of cagey. Like a lot of the people I talked to were kind of like, I don't know. I'm not sure who I'm supporting. And I couldn't really tell which of them just really weren't sure and which of them were like supported another candidate, but maybe didn't want to say 
because they were like, who the hell are you? Or they're like, you know, they have Southern politeness and they don't really yeah. want to When you're tell embarrassed you. to support the candidate that you support, you know that's a good, <laughs> that's a good right. sign. Yeah, or, well, or, you know, I mean, I could imagine like some stranger shows up at your house talking about Bernie Sanders and you're like a nice, polite person. Maybe you don't want to say, no, sorry, I've already made up my mind. I'm like a Biden. I'm a Biden guy. So uh, that might be, sometimes you can't really tell why someone is like claiming to be undecided. And I think some of them are, maybe they're like, yeah, I don't know. I like Biden. Or, or people who are just defaulting into uh, what feels sort of familiar and safe. Right. Yeah. I mean, I would like the vibe I kind of got was the people we talked to um, were all registered voters, including the people who weren't on our list. And they tended to know where their polling place was. They seemed like registered voters, but possibly people who, you know, weren't um, weren't engaged in the like maddening, mind destroying activity of following the primary closely. So maybe didn't have a strong opinion. And I think maybe there's some of these folks that. Um, I mean, I think that's where some of the Biden support is coming from. People who might, like, if they just go out to their polling place, um, would pick Biden as the default because he's the guy they know the best. So I think that may have been some of these folks. Um, but at one point, one of the houses we walked past had this, like, bunch of guys just, like, sitting out on the porch, like, kind of, like, daytime partying, hanging out. Um and they were drinking homemade wine and they got into a conversation with one of our guys that resulted in him saying, Hey, do you want to smoke a blunt with us? Um, so <laughs> we like went to the car and our, like our friend got his weed and we like went back there and like rolled a blunt and passed it around and like drank some of their homemade wine. Um, and we told them why we were supporting Bernie and they put our little like Bernie sign up on their porch and then we just kind of hang nice. out with them but we were like did you is- use your official campaign blunt wraps though because well i know yeah. the campaign is, <laughs> we actually officially is really have strict to about it because it is it's a it's a campaign <laughs> finance violation i thought that was a gravel thing <laughs> <laughs> oh that's true yeah <laughs> but that's kind of the dream because everyone who goes out door knocking just kind of wishes um, that they'll say, hey, Bernie Sanders, and that the person on the other side will be like, oh, cool, you want to smoke a blunt? And it can happen. That's the real America, you know? Exactly. You don't see that on CNN. Yep. Um, and none of the other candidates' um, people had been out to this town, and I think if they had, I think some of them possibly just would have called the cops in that scenario. I think the Pete people. <laughs> Maybe the Amy people. I don't know. Well, it's amazing then. I mean, what what we're talking about is, you know, the the Bernie Sanders movement really is uh, like a populist movement, right? right? It's like reaching people where they are and talking to, speaking to the issues that actually impact them and not being, not being fucking uh, like inside the Beltway Democratic like highly paid consultants who think they know what like real life looks like in America. It's, you know, yeah. Talking to people about things that actually impact them. Yeah. Um, when I talk to people and say like, what's something that affects you and your family that you want to change in America? I think I've heard jobs the most. I expected it. I expected healthcare to be maybe number one, but healthcare is also up there. Um, sure. But a lot of people are just like jobs. We don't have well-paying jobs in this community. So it's a pretty easy sell to tell them, well, Bernie Sanders is, he's been fighting to raise the minimum wage for like before anyone else. He's And he wants to greatly increase union membership. He's got his Green New Deal that will create jobs. Yeah. They didn't say that the uh, the capital gains tax is too high? Huh? That's weird. <laughs> Well, you know, they say it's I've the been, deficit. I heard that was a big you know, issue. They say me and my family right. just sit around the kitchen table and just r- wring our hands about the deficit. As we all do, yeah. Yes. I have a debt clock uh, above above my stove just oh, to just to keep yeah. my eyes on the price. Yeah, yeah. That's zero. <laughs> that's zero deficit. When we get to that, then we can all like stop being political and just go to brunch. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
Well, let's go. That's that's a great little set of uh, high notes to wrap up our show, I think. Um, Emily, thank you so much for joining us on Liquid Flannel this evening. Thank you. This was fun. Yeah. Uh, what do you want to plug while you're here? I don't really have anything to plug. Um, I've been, you know, I've just been conducting myself as a private citizen. Um if anyone needs a, needs an academic editor, they need a dissertation editor, then they can DM me. That's that's really all I got. There it is, but it, you're also on Twitter, but right? I'm also You've on got Twitter. A yes, pretty you can follow Twitter. me on Twitter <laughs> at I hate NYT. <laughs> it's been a delight having you on. I wanted to give an extra plug to our musical guest, Scholler. Uh, they have a new album coming out next month, and I'm not going to try to pronounce their ridiculous, I mean, truly, shoulder, like, fix your fucking Twitter. Like, your, your, your Twitter username is ridiculous, but we'll, but we'll drop it into the, into the show description, of course. Uh, we are Liquid Flannel. Uh, you can follow us on Twitter at liquid underscore flannel. And if you want access to the bonus episodes that we often record, the real uh, show, float us, float us, float us a buck a month and uh, go over to patreon.com slash liquid flannel pod. I am Matthew Hodges. I am at Matt the Great with a W on Twitter and Brendan Williams. I'm at Brendan Williams with one L. And that's the show, everybody. Thank you again, Emily. Thanks, bye. Bye. Have fun and stuff in prison, Roger Stone. <laughs>